Hello, listeners. Welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters seeking help with their next game session. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm still Alyssa Johns. We're still, we're still the same people. Hey. Look at ha- that. We haven't been recast. <laughs> Although you would think the managers of this show would have recast us a long yeah, time Yeah, they're ago. like, man, your numbers are tanking. You're inconsistent. Actually, the real secret here is we've been recast several times, but the new people sound exactly like the old people. They're really good voice actors. Yeah. Um, those last ones were. These current ones. Oof. Well, isn't the current ones way us? off. Yeah. <laughs> so we suck? Yeah. I guess. Yes. Yeah. We suck. Yeah, but you're <laughs> listening to us anyway. That's how, that's how you want to start a podcast. <laughs> that's how you ensure everybody that you're a real expert, I think. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Don't listen to if us. If any of my training <laughs> means anything. It's like the beginning of um, South Park where it says, like, this TV show should not be viewed by anybody. Yeah. I <laughs> you should not. <laughs> These are not real advice by real experts. Yes. <laughs> I always, I always felt like such a rebel when I would watch South Park as a oh, kid there you go. in my youth. <laughs> it's just an appeal to people who are trying to rebel against the system. That's that's what our podcast is all about. Oh, that clearly. <laughs> We're rebelling against yeah. the by system. Gi- by giving advice to game masters. <laughs> in the system. Yeah. You know, the system. The system is down. I wonder if we could make a role-playing game that is about running role-playing games. It's like a meta role-playing game. You know what? I'm sure someone's already done that. I'm sure it must exist. It's got to. Yeah. And, like, I roll dice to see how well I dungeon master. (laughs) Oh, man, you gave an incredible speech. I wish I could tell you what it was, but you didn't roll high enough. (laughs) You didn't roll very high. If you had rolled higher, I could tell you what the speech was. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, should should we answer some questions? Yeah, let's do that. All right, so our first question comes from Baker Turtle. Baker Turtle. Is he baking turtles, or is he a turtle who bakes? Either way, I'm excited. Well, not the baking real turtles, but you know those, like, chocolate turtles? Oh, like, yeah, like turtle truffles. Or yeah, what are those? Where It's like... I think um, they're just called tur- caramel turtles or turtles or something. I think oh, they're just called turtles. They're so good. Yeah. Yeah, those are really good. Yes, I approve. Baker Turtle, we're, we're excited for you to send us your turtles. Uh, in the hopes that they're the chocolate ones. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Baker Turtle says, I'm a new DM, and I'm running a homebrew variant of Dragon of Ice Spire Peak, which is unimportant, and we're 10 sessions in. You're not a new DM. You've done 10 sessions. Yeah. That's amazing. That's great. Um, The party will be making their way to the city Neverwinter. The adventure module has little to no information about the city, so I'm basically creating my own city. I already have a map and idea of the culture and setting. Basically, an annual meeting of the major lords and nobles whom I've entitled, oh, I've titled the Epicureans. Mm. Oh, I like it. Will be taking place to discuss world events while the Zenith Festival is going on celebrating the sun as it is the summer solstice. Sometime during or after the Epicurean meeting, the king of Neverwinter will be mysteriously assassinated by a Rakshasa. Oh, Rakshasa. Rakshasa. <laughs> Mufasa. <laughs> Does, I mean, they are, they're tigers, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Mufasa. I mean, you know, a lion. Close so. enough. <laughs> um, Big cats, right? <laughs> the, the king of Neverwinter will be mysteriously assassinated by a Rakshasa disguised as his daughter, who is the heir to the throne. The big bad evil guy is one of the Epicureans and is working with the Rakshasa to gain control of the region. I don't want the players to suspect the BBEG yet, and I want the murder to remain a mystery. Mm, okay. So the BBEG is not the daughter of the king. I suppose functionally it isn't even the Rakshasa. It is the... Another one of the nobleman. Epicureans, one of the noblemen who is the wants to gain control. Okay, hired a Rakshasa to disguise themselves as the king's daughter and murder him. Okay, I'm trying to think of ways for either the party to be present or to have knowledge of this incident. My idea is that the party could be convinced to participate in the festival, which would take place over X number of days, with mini games and competitions such as coliseum tournament, art contests, etc. The winners of these competitions could be invited to a banquet of some sort attended by the Epicureans. Okay. What I'm having trouble with is coming up with hooks in the city to keep the party interested. What kind of games could be there? How long would the festival be? When would the assassination take place? How would the players be involved? The party is primarily going to Neverwinter to meet the top boss of the Adventure Guild that they joined to ask for help in dealing with the White Dragon and to help keep the small village of uh, Fandolin safe. 
Hmm. I tend to have a bunch of ideas, but I have a hard time tying them together into a cohesive story that makes sense and would be intriguing to my players. What do you think? Interesting. Okay. They're coming into this town. They don't really need to be there for this festival, but they this um, Baker Turtle wants to have this murder plot happen. Right. During the event is when the murder plot will happen? Is that what it sounds like? Uh, yeah. Sometime during or after the meeting, uh, the king will be assassinated, and it's during this. And they want the players to be, Baker Turtle wants the players to be there. Uh, the it says to be present or have knowledge of this incident. So, the Zenith so, Festival is going to celebrate the sun as it's the summer solstice. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I think there are several things that you're sort of playing around with on this one. Like, um, one is is a political plot, which can be a lot of fun and can be so interesting and so much fun to do, and some players are just not interested in it. It's worthwhile to consider that there are players that absolutely love political intrigue and will do everything. They will, they will dig into every aspect of it. As soon as you start introducing political intrigue, they want to know the motivations and they want to know the different things. If you have players that love you know, Game of Thrones for the political intrigue aspects of it or or the crown or, or things like that, then like, yeah, these players are going to love this this political intrigue plot. If you don't have players that are in love with political intrigue or you have a mix, then the thing that you have to keep in mind with this is that your political intrigue needs to come along with a lot of other constant hooks to keep players interested. doesn't mean you can't run a political intrigue plot, especially if you as a game master are really interested in running that kind of plot. It just means that you have to couple your political intrigue breadcrumbs along with other sort of um, engaging plot mechanics and engaging, you know, combats and puzzles and things like that to keep your players interested and engaged. I mean, to me, it is it is a political intrigue, but it's more a murder mystery. Yeah, I, I do think that's true. I actually think political intrigue and murder mystery um, largely go hand in hand. I think the thing that makes you interested in a political intrigue or a murder mystery is the desire to pursue the the breadcrumbs to fi- figure out what happened. And I think that those two things are, are very, very similar to each other in a lot of ways. You also have to decide what um, the end goal for the players is going to be. Are they going to become like the king's assassinator? Are they going to become like like vassals to the daughter of the king like are they going to like try to help her get back on the throne are they what uh, do, do you want them to um, become heroes of this city that they can return back to or become enemies of the city and and I know that sometimes game masters can be really hesitant to like decide outcomes before the players have made choices but I want to encourage you that especially in the case of a murder mystery or political intrigue what you actually have to do is you have to sort of work the whole thing backwards right which you've talked about before absolutely and this is a great place for it because what you can do is you can say uh, you know who are the people involved what are the mistakes they made along the way you know, where, where are the loose ends that they left when they were planning out this assassination? You've got this Rakshasa, who is actually a great loose end because they're very hard to kill. And so there's a lot of opportunity for the players to potentially, like, you know, track them down or hire them or, or you know, pay them for their information or whatever the case may be, or fight them um, if the players are powerful enough to do so. Worthwhile to point out that Rakshasas are, like, Hard to kill because they're immune to a lot of magic stuff. Right. And then you also have to figure out what... Uh, so if the Rakshasa is disguised as the king's daughter, what happens to the young heiress? Like, yeah. Where is the king's daughter is in she, all this? Is she, like, tied up or imprisoned somewhere so that she doesn't interfere? Or is she being... She's being framed, so now they have to defend her? Yeah. Maybe she was even at the party, um, but was in another room or something. Somebody, like, pulled her into another room so that they knew she wouldn't be in the room when it happened. I think there's a lot of like you want to conceptualize a little bit how did the how did the details of this go down so that then you can dole out the breadcrumbs to the players evenly over time and you can make it really clear like I have these hints that are going to point you to the to the end. The other real advantage of planning this kind of thing out backwards and and I think we should maybe even go through some examples of what planning it out backwards might look like in this case, but the real advantage to that is that you then have notes to very clearly outline here are the events that, that are going on. And that way, when you're summing this up for the players, that they don't get lost in the, in the plot. One of the things that can really easily happen in murder mysteries, especially drawn out over many weeks, is your players 
didn't catch that one hint or they didn't notice that one thing or they forgot that detail that was a very important detail for them to have later on. And so much like a, you know, a serial uh, drama TV show, you sort of have to recap the important bits that are going to come up in this particular <laughs> session. Previously um, on. Right, exactly. <laughs> you, 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 and and there's, there's a real value to that. I know, uh, you know, personally as a GM, I really hope my players are, are like so engrossed and so uh, a, a part of this that they've taken amazing notes and they've kept track of every detail. But I also really expect that that's probably not true. <laughs> right. Well, so let's start with the first questions here. How okay. long is this festival taking place? Yeah. What are the games and activities? I really, okay, I really like your idea of they become contest winners essentially and that's how they get to this mm -hmm. banquet. Um, it's a it's a prized thing um and you should also offer prize there should be magic items that you're giving out there should be gold for for not participating but for winning um so what are the things that they can do to get to the banquet i do love so um uh, uh baker turtle offered uh that one of the there could be a competition is a coliseum tournament art contest etc and i think any one of those could be done really in a in a super fun way coliseum tournament is one of my favorites to do where i make it clear that you're not your goal is not to kill your opponents just to sort of like wwe style like encourage the crowd to be on your side uh and and be sort of a showman in that and then and then you can put in opponents that are like really over the top and ridiculous you know, now you're fighting. You're fighting the the grave digger, and he's that's an actual WWE person. I probably shouldn't use that. <laughs> no. But you're fighting the grave uh, shoveler, <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's like a guy with a shovel, and he's like he's like every one of you is gonna be in my grave, and you can like like play up ridiculous characters, and then when you're like actually clashing swords and stuff like that, he can be like now now punch me in the face and tell me that uh, that I'm. I'm gonna dig my own grave. <laughs> he's he's like you know he's in on the show. He's a part of this with you, um, and you're just trying to like encourage the players to be as showy and and over the top as possible because that's what you know gets a lot of favor. And you could do that kind of like tournament thing would be a lot of fun to do. So let's think of some sun solstice, summer solstice type style games. Now, I have been thinking about mini games that the players can do at the table. You know, like oh, what sure. is something they can physically do. Um, that's not necessarily just, okay, you roll the dice and this is your score mm. kind of thing. So, like, what about um, dice stacking? <laughs> or um, The first one to stack all seven dice. <laughs> you can incorporate a Jenga tower kind oh, of a yeah. situation. Yeah, honestly, it's not a bad place if you have some, uh, like, good dexterity games, like board games, uh, like Jenga or Suspend. Um, this is not a bad place to maybe incorporate some of that. And you could also design this with with it in mind that like um, someone's gonna win, uh, you know, one of the players is gonna win a game. Yeah. Uh, and you make it clear that like it's just part of the plot. All of you are gonna win some kind of game so that you're all invited to the banquet. Um, so we're gonna narrow it down. The first game involves all four people, and whoever wins that one sits out the next game, which involves three, and yeah. and 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 you're cheering from the sidelines or whatever for your teammates and what about um you describe it as a uh boulder throw type competition and there's rings concentric rings painted on the grass and you're going to be using your strength to roll to um throw this boulder into the middle and you you know um emphasizing the setting of the sun you can you know you can you can flavor it um, but then in real life you put rings on the table and then you essentially do like a shuffleboard with your dice you see who can get to the closest to the middle. Flick and, your dice yeah, into, the, <laughs> into the ring like, or whatever. It's like dice curling. Yeah. Huh? That's not bad. A lot of dice falling on the floor, but it could still be a lot of fun. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah. That's great. That's a great idea. I like that. Um, you could also do some, if you feel like your players want more of the in-game stuff, um, you could just do like straight up skill challenges and, and things like that. Um, sometimes I'll do a battle against a monster, um, you know, survive in the ring again. Uh, combat is really central to D&D &D in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Um, skill challenges often involve more like overcome several different things. You could do something like a, a trap room that has several traps that go off. Um, 
you know, that could be deadly or, or might just, you know, uh, of sort of like a Japanese TV show. They sort of push you off into the water or whatever. It's, oh, yeah. it's more like a, uh, you know, an obstacle course or a ninja warrior or something like that. I mean, you could also do your typical like ale drinking contest yep. or um, pie eating or yeah, that kind of a thing. I or... I always love. I mean, it's in Neverwinter, which is a pretty big city, but I do always love the idea of doing the kinds of contests you might see in like a really small town. Like this contest is who can rake the leaves the fastest <laughs> or. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a winter festival, right? Oh, it's a summer festival. Summer so, festival. so you could also do like who can you know replant this tree, um, you know things that that have to do something with summer. Oh, sandcastle making. <laughs> Sandcastles. <laughs> um, uh, dragon race. Oh, dragon race is not bad. Isn't there a whole rule Ooh. set for racing for for it was like dinosaur racing in yeah, uh, so. in one of the the D and D modules. Um, this person I just looked up online has an insulting contest. Oh, there you go. That's pretty fun. That's great. Two contestants take turns insulting each other in amusing ways. The competition ends when one participant can't think of anything within a reasonable amount of time, and the crowd decides the winner. I would also offer... Um, I, I would probably put together a small list of, of here's some contests that you could participate in and let sort of your players choose what they're most interested in. And then I would also offer to the players, like, you are a part of the story creation in this in this fun thing. If you have th- something that you think you as a player would enjoy a lot more or that your character would, would be more likely to do, feel free to suggest a new thing. Uh, you know, you've given them an outline of, like, it's everything from here's some t- games you can play at the table to here's some, you know, challenges that your character can partake in. And then you might have a player be like, well, my character really isn't much of a com- combatant and I don't really want to play any of these games, but I would love, is there like a lock-picking competition? And you can be like, yes, there absolutely is a lock-picking competition that you can come in and be a part of. And so you can offer it to the players too to, to come up with their own kind of game or their own kind of suggestion for what their character would have been most interested in. You might also consider making yourself um, a festival encounters um, uh, list that you can roll on if you need some filler. You know, like there's a thief on the run, there you run into a juggler or a mime that shows up, kind of like fla- flavor. Oh, the- I see. That, that might happen throughout the campaign, not just because this whole investigation is happening during the festival. So here are other things that are happening even after the assassination happens. Right. You're chasing the, you know, the presumed assassin or something and you run into a bunch of jugglers or or there's Fire somebody... breathers are blocking your path. Right. Like have some... someone someone's painting the, a mural on a wall and you're <laughs> you crash into all their paints that they have. Oh my gosh. Around. Um I I really like the idea of fire breathers actually. There could be some sort of like fire breather um show that's happening to um, celebrate the sun. Sure, that could be super fun. Okay, so those are some of the things that they can do to win contests to get to the banquet. Um, when would the assassination take place? Well, it sounds like it would be during the banquet, although depending on how excited your players are for the banquet, making it clear that that this competition cuts them off from having the banquet might also be a great motivating factor. Um like this banquet is a big deal and is is a huge part of the celebration and it's got the best food i mean absolutely amazing your character is so excited for all the food at this banquet that you get to be a part of and and like not everybody gets to have it some of the foods are really rare and then um the banquet's happening tomorrow and then the the assassination happens tonight and they're like we're canceling the banquet you know we we can't we can't hold a banquet under these under these conditions, and that might be an, another motivating factor for the for the players, um, to figure the characters. out what's wrong. They have to figure out what's wrong so they can so the banquet isn't canceled. <laughs> okay, I could see that. I uh, I think that they need to be at the banquet for this to go down. You think the assassination needs to happen at the banquet? So if the goal is to frame the princess, I'm assuming mm-hmm. a king's daughter is a princess, so frame the princess then it needs to look like the princess is actually killing the king mm. if it is all signs are supposed to point to her but you don't actually see who kills the king you could do the whole poison in the soup kind of a thing i think you're right uh about the banquet 
And I think it would be great for the players to be introduced to the king's daughter first so that they can get a sense for she's not really a bad guy. Okay, her mannerisms and right. who she is. Okay, um, so maybe she awards the the prize. Right. Uh, and maybe meets them and and tells them how important this festival is. And you could present a, a red herring here, too. And this is all, you know, how, how discerning, how... Uh, how interested are your players with the political intrigue with the political intrigue or murder mystery about pursuing stuff like the the princess could could hint to the idea that she's frustrated with her father but like maybe not so frustrated that you would think she would kill him um which but then it raises a lot of really interesting questions oh. and that when they go and question the princess later that she can say like yeah i was frustrated that that um, he, I, he told me that I was going to get to run this festival my way this year, and he, right, and he he steamrolled me he or whatever. But but that's not enough. I wouldn't want to kill him for that. Um, and like now now you can set up some of that political. Again, this is you know sort of plotting out the the breadcrumbs. You've um, you've given opportunity to to show that there might have been some motivation, but then you give the players the opportunity to look into that and decide for themselves, was that really enough motivation for murder? Um, and that's, that is, I think a part of the, the like interestingness of pursuing this kind of plot line is, is deciding if it wasn't her, then who mm-hmm. could have possibly done this? Uh, and then that's where you have to have some kind of a, a breadcrumb that points to a shapeshifter of some kind or the, or the Rakshasa or, or the Epicurean, um, and you have to start sort of painting who 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 does the king have uh, enemies who who are enemies of the crown, um, and that's where every time you pick up a breadcrumb, you have to point to the next one. So in this in this case, it needs to be your the princess is going to be the most obvious breadcrumb to start off with, unless the players see that it wasn't the princess. Um, but I don't recommend doing that because it takes away one of your big reveals it takes away one of your mysteries that you could that you could you know pull on one of the things that that sometimes happens in the in, when you're trying to run these kind of plot lines is your players will come up with really really good arguments as to why the government system or whatever should not be doing what they're doing um and so they're going to arrest the princess and say you killed the king you know you're a terrible person or whatever and the players are going to barge in and be like we saw that it was a rakshasa killing the king disguised as a princess um and we are you know willing to testify to that or whatever and that's a good argument that is a good argument as to why they shouldn't hold the the princess they should look for more evidence and so um you can't really reveal that right away because then you can't keep the princess under under lock and key or right anyway i think one of the things that you're going to need here is you're going to need to decide what is the what are the king and the epicureans having conflict with one another and who are the epicureans who ultimately made this decision to pursue this uh, and eventually you're going to have to decide what is the recourse that totally. that you're allowed to pursue on this they're like lords of a of a whole area are you allowed to just go after them and kill them or whatever or is there a... yeah um, in my head the reason they need to frame the princess is because the next in line is one of the epicureans Ah, uh, behind the princess. Behind the princess. That's pretty good. There's no other heirs, and so it would go to it would default to the group, the embodied group of the Epicureans, who are essentially they're like the the board, mm. right? They're the council members, so control of the country would go to to them, mm. um, or the city, country or city. 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 I don't know. Who who knows? Never um, winter. <laughs> all we know for sure is it's not winter. It's it's ever. never it's never ever winter there. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> um so I mean that's obvi- that to me that's their motivation. That's the reason they need to frame the princess. Um the byproduct of this you, you can they could get away with it. It's possible. Yeah. Maybe you ultimately get the princess off of her charge. But the one responsible is considered the Rakshasa instead of the Epicureans. Mm-hmm. And so, and the princess still can't serve 
You're right. She's not old enough yet. Maybe. She's not old enough or, so or there's some other particular anyway. reason that, you know. Yeah. I mean, it could be like by the time they're done with the um, going to the White Dragon um, and helping keep the small village of Fandelier safe, by the time they get back, um, it could be that the entire climate of this town is changed because the princess can't rule and they got what they wanted and all that jazz. Ultimately, the decision about whether or not you want to defeat the Epicureans or, you know, you want to you want the players to be victorious here or not should really be about whether or not you want this to be a longer campaign. Um, so if you want to paint a potentially a political bad guy that you could continue to have as a political bad guy in your pocket um, and who has now a greater amount of power, then you can make this sort of a... You're victorious in this one sense, but not in this bigger picture sense. And that gives you a, an opportunity to continue to make further uh, bad guys down the line or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if you want it to just be a sort of campaign that, that all kind of gets buttoned up at the end, then I don't think it's a bad idea to, you know, you you pin it on the Epicureans and the other lords and houses turn against them and whatever. And then the next time the summer solstice comes around, they have two things to celebrate. Oh, there you go. I like this a lot. I'm a, I'm with you, Alyssa. That that the I think the real uh, important part here is you kind of have to make a decision about what the what the players are gonna what, what kind of outcome you are looking for in this. And ultimately, the players can still have quite a lot of say in how they get to that, or even at the end when they when they finally reach there, they can have a choice that they get to make. But you still want to have a clear idea of, like, my goal is when they get to the end, I want them to have a choice that they can make. <laughs> and I think that's a really important part of this for you to be able to have a really clear plot structure that you can then follow uh, coming into each piece. And it is difficult for us to um, go into more detail without having, like, an actual conversation. So if this doesn't help you... Um, come up with your next session please email us back and we can um, maybe jump on the phone oh yeah that's a possibility uh, or potentially even have you on as a as a guest on the podcast those are those are possible possibilities too yeah possible possibilities. possible possibilities but for now i i agree with adam i really like this um divergent this um world building that you're doing and i think that it is a, a lovely idea to sink your teeth more into D anD. Mm-hmm. And and nice job. Uh, it sounds like you've really created a a fun world and a fun plot line for your players to pursue. And and I'm glad you've jumped in as a as a DM. Yeah. Always always good to have You're more good great. DMs. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. All right. And we're back. Hey, we're back. How was your break? It was great. It was a great break? It I was think. a great, great break. Nope. Break, great break. A Greek break? <laughs> Greek break? What does that mean? I ate a lot of gyro. <laughs> Yogurt? Yogurt. Oh, man. I love watching the Great British Bake Baking Show or Bake Off. I don't know which one they call it these days anymore. But... They don't think they don't say yogurt. They say yogurt. Yogurt. I'm, I'm, really? I've yeah, never heard yogurt. Of it. Yogurt. Yogurt. It's so interesting. And every time I'm like, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear you say it. I love accents. Me too. So much fun. Um. Okay. We are diving into our Ask a GM question. Hey, Ask a GM. From uh, Dra Drake Heart Scale. Drake Heart Scale. Or it's a dragon heart scale. Or a Drake Hearts Kale. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious Heart Scale. Hearts Kale. The yeah, you know, you the know. inner portion of the of, of the, the kale. kale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just scrape it off with your teeth. <laughs> but um all right. Um, what's your take on background music during gameplay? Mm. As a DM, is it acceptable to play music in the background? Yes. I'm not talking <laughs> about Metallica or something like that. Of course not. I'm asking about stuff from the Lord of the Rings soundtracks or Scald, Viking-style music, sea shanties and Irish um, or Celtic music. Absolutely. Okay, so 
we we should say I feel like this needs some <laughs> this needs some background and preface. I am all for using tools at your disposal to help deepen the immersion that you are going to have in your game, including at times the comedic value of whatever particular thing that you're doing. So I would say absolutely, but um, also keep in mind that sometimes for some players, having music in the background is not an immersive experience and that it is actually far more distracting or makes it more difficult for them to hear what's going on at the table or or to be engaged in the game than it does actually create a sense of immersion into your game experience. Absolutely. It is, I mean, it all is a your miles may vary, your players may vary. Yeah. If your players are the kind who are sensitive to um, audio or lots of different inputs all at once, they might have a harder time connecting with having music in the background. It might be too loud. It might be too distracting. There are other times where um, the music might not be the right choice. Like, for example, the Metallica. Um, you definitely wouldn't want to play something, um, you know, like, I'm not going to play D&D to Britney Spears in the background, right? Like, see, see, I disagree with that. You disagree? You want some... I think, oh, I think, I think you could play one by Metallica, and it would be phenomenal in the right circumstances you're in a boss battle um and you've got like like amazing rock music going on you've got you've got uh you know um uh you're in the boss battle and suddenly it goes hit me baby one more time i mean if you're if you're if you're (laughs) building up for a comedic boss battle or your boss happens to be like a a dance battle or something like that, then like pop music might actually be a great choice for that um or think about um thor ragnarok Okay. Um, where he is, uh, uh, where they're playing Led Zeppelin while he's like flying through the air with a dragon chasing him, like that is awesome, and you can totally set up for that thing. And that's kind of how you want to think about your music and your soundtracks is similar to a movie or a TV show, um, where it's adding to the experience. And there are times where something like Metallica is a great way to go when it adds to the experience instead of detracting from it. Um, but by the same token, if you're hanging out in your tavern and having a conversation, having a deep conversation about your character development, yeah, you don't want to play Britney Spears "Hit Me One More Time." Like that's not mm-hmm. that's not the thing. You don't want to play like a you know um, a Jingle Bell Rock while you're <laughs> sitting there, you know, having your characters sipping sipping their 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 thing or confronting the big bad guy or something. You know, I also want to say like I don't appreciate background music. Um, solely for the sake of background music. Yes. So it has to be tied in. So if our characters are in a tavern, I don't need a musical background of people in a tavern. I don't need that sound immersion of like drinks being clinked. Oh, and clinked people, together, yeah. People like murmuring like... and stuff. Like I don't I I personally don't need that and don't like that. Um if there but, but you also be, hate those sounds. I, well, yes, I hate those sounds. Um, I, I am un, undiagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I have misophonia. Yeah. However, if our characters were in the tavern and you're describing someone playing the lute, you might play and you've got at like a, a solo lute. Right. You might sound play at like a low level the solo lute sound, and that might be kind of a fun way to immerse yourself into into where you are, and then you can like fade it out when they go outside, and then that's it. Um, there are an amazing amount of curated D&D playlists. I mean, they're it's all true. over Spotify. Um, all you really have to do is type in D&D background music. Dungeons and Dragons. D&D playlist or role-playing game music. Um, there's also, now I use this all the time and I get a lot of eye rolls for it, but there is a website where if you are playing a board game, you can type in what board game you're playing and it will have a playlist for you that that has been generated. Um, it's it's pretty fun, and, and it keeps it keeps the music sort of on theme to the kind of board game. Yeah, it's it called Melodice, Melodice.org, M-E-L-O-D-I-C-E, um, and it's for board games specifically. So if you type in, and they have all all of them. Like if I type in. Um, uh, we would listen to Azul's a, playlist yeah, Azul. or all sort of Spanishy sounding music. And, um, and they have all of the different um, generations because they have Azul, Azul Summer Pavilion, Azul Stained Glass, Azul Queen's Garden, and they're all different and they're all curated and they're kind of fun. Um, all, all curated by by fans on the yes. on the site and stuff. Um, Not official. 
the the other thing that I'll I, I totally agree with that. I think volume is a really high consideration. How loud are you playing the music? I think that um, you know consideration of, of your players. I would check in with your players to yeah. see if this is the kind of thing that they like to have. Make it you, part of the checkout question. You, yeah, you could also try it out and see if they enjoy it. Um, I have seen it done to tremendous effect, um, where it really creates a wonderful level of immersion. Um, I've also seen it done really poorly, um, where where it detracts from the game, it makes it hard to hear what's going on, it makes it harder to pay attention. So um, I really love listening to Taz, um, mm -hmm. The Adventure Zone, and they didn't do a lot of background music at the like during the course. Until they got to Ethersea, the the um, the season where they did Ethersea, and then there was a lot of it, and it was too much for me. Mm -hmm. They essentially, it felt like I was playing um, Final Fantasy, and like anytime there was a boss, there was a battle. The ba the battle music battle would music come back in start. and stuff, and I was like, this is too much. For and that me. was probably like edited in afterwards. Yes, because it it was a podcast, and right. a lot of actual play podcasts will do this. They'll add in music and stuff, um, but I didn't. I, I, that was too much. I, I don't watch Critical Role, but I know that they do a lot of music mm -hmm, too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people take that as their example of what to do. And um, I don't really know because I don't watch it, but in my opinion, you get to choose for yourself. Yeah. Um, They're not the standard. I'll, I'll also say one last thing, which is that um, it's important as a game master to focus on, oh man, what's the best way to put this? Fundamentals. Um, prior to trying to fill in the the filigree. Oh yes. Um, the as a game master, it would be very easy to, especially if you're getting started. I'm not, Drake Hartscale. You might be a very experienced game master and totally ready to fill in these these extra, you know, um, uh, tools like like adding sound in. But for any new game masters out there, it's very easy to accidentally get pulled into like, oh great, now I have a huge playlist. Oh no, let me click through this playlist for for two minutes while I find the right song uh, for this particular setting that we're in, or 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 whatnot. Or I I have a song for this setting and I'm gonna play it, but it's but it's too loud or it's too disruptive or frankly it's not the right song to to create the the mood that you want to create in this. These are great tools for. Um, somebody who's who's like you've already got the the ways to engage your players. This is just a little icing on top of that. These are just flowery extra pieces to create an even deeper level of engagement with your players. I wouldn't rely on music as a primary way to engage your players. Right. Remember that your descriptions, your plots, your characters that you NPC, um, and the way in which you lead and engage the players in the game. Those are your essentials. I um I completely agree. I remember I was asked to sing the Star Spangled Banner, and I uh, listened to a whole. This was when I was a kid, and I listened to a whole bunch of people singing the Star Spangled Banner, and they were doing a lot of, yeah. and I was trying to emulate that. And I remember my dad being like, "You need to focus on singing the notes of the song well, mm -hmm. strong and well, before you start adding in any any extras." And I, I uh, remember that. Take that to heart. Yep. Uh, every every music teacher I've ever said has said the same thing, uh, which is yes, that you can add in lots of extra stuff. You can add in little grace notes, little little improvisation stuff here and there. But functionally, you got to still play the song. You gotta you got you gotta get yeah. the it's gotta the sound tune. Like it's the gotta song. and you've got to hit the notes on time, and you've got to keep your time. And all of those pieces are sort of the, the fundamental, the, the foundation of what, what makes up the song. Once you have that, now you can dance away from it a little bit, uh, but you got to get that first part. Take it, take it from its core. Yeah. I'll mention, you mentioned there's lots of playlists. There's also lots of um, uh, uh, tools that are out there that are like custom-made background sounds and music. Um, Alyssa hates background sounds, sound effects, but lots of players like them. I don't mind certain ones, but I don't need to hear someone chewing in my ear. Yeah. I don't like that in real life. Uh, I don't want to hear people breathing. <laughs> you want, you want to go on a rant? I'll go on a rant. No, the rant's not necessary. Um, one that comes to mind just off the top of my head is Sirenscape, but I know that there's a bunch of similar similar sound effect tools and stuff like I'm that. I'm sorry, Sirenscape is the website? Yes. Okay, because not like a scape of different siren sounds, like no. fire trucks and ambulances. Boy, going that would by. be great. <laughs> That's all. That's I'm just going to play the... 
the, the French the French police <laughs> sound <laughs> that's just going off the whole time when we're playing our, our game today. Nope. Yeah. Drake Hartscale, I hope that's helpful. From from the, the context of your question, I would say you should definitely give it a try. Um and uh and see how it goes. And just make sure that you're always sort of eliciting feedback from your players, providing the opportunity that they can say no and you will not be hurt. Uh and you'll be like, Okay, that's that's okay, we gave it a go and and um, uh, I appreciate everybody being patient with it. Totally. Yeah. Agreed. Hey, Adam. Uh, yeah? What's over, What's that over there in the corner? In the corner? Yeah. You know, I think it's time for us to uh, search the room. Bump, bump, bump. Search the room. What you gonna do when you search the room? All right. Search the ridiculous. room time. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> hey, we searched the room, and in the corner are the pipes of the sewers. Gross. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stick your mouth on that. <laughs> yeah. Except you have to to play it. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> this should have like some sort of like, um, every time you play it, you um, roll a constitution. You have to roll a constitution. <laughs> Ew. Pipes of the Sewers is an uncommon wondrous item. Uh, required summoning. Control instrument wondrous item. Uncommon requires attunement. Oh, that was weird. I, would, I think they're required in there. It's an uncommon wondrous item. Um, that requires attunement. That requires attunement. You must be proficient with wind instruments to use these pipes. All right. Where is that on my... Where is that on my... Actually, proficiency for musical instruments is a specific part of the character sheet. Um, it even lets you go through and select which specific music instruments you are proficient in. Goodness gracious. Yeah. That is a level of detail. While you are attuned to the pipes, ordinary rats and giant rats are indifferent towards you and will not attack you unless you threaten or harm them. Notice you don't even have to play them. You just have to be attuned to them for them to like not care about you. The pipes have three charges. If you play the pipes as an action, you can use a bonus action to expend one to three charges, calling forth one swarm of rats with each expended charge, provided that enough rats are within a half mile of you to be called in this fashion as determined by the game master. If there aren't enough rats to form a swarm, the charge is wasted. Aw. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> like two, two three rats show up and you're like, hey, where's the rest? And they're like, this is all we have, guys. This is it. <laughs> oh, man, never mind. <laughs> Um, called swarms move toward the music by the shortest available route, but aren't under your control otherwise. The pipes regain 1d3 expended charges daily at dawn. Whenever a swarm of rats that isn't under another creature's control comes within 30 feet of you while you are playing the pipes, you can make a charisma check contested by the swarm's wisdom check. If you lose the contest, the swarm behaves as it normally would and can't be swayed by the pipes' musics for the next 24 hours. Mm. These pipes are not as effective. Yeah. If you win the contest, the swarm is swayed by the pipes' music and becomes friendly to you and your companions for as long as you continue to play the pipes each round as an action. My goodness. You have to furiously play these things. Um, a friendly swarm obeys your commands. If, you're, uh, if you issue no commands to a friendly swarm, it defends itself but otherwise takes no actions. If a friendly swarm starts its turn and can't hear the pipes' music, your control over that swarm ends, and the swarm behaves as it normally would and can't be swayed by the pipes' music for the next 24 hours. The level of detail in this. Someone had to seems, be like, seems okay, so wildly. <laughs> wait a minute. My swarm. So you, not... call, you call a swarm, which is not yours. Yes. You make a swarm appear. Yes. Then you have to convince it. Yeah, if, if with, with a contest. With a, with a contest, with your great pipe. <laughs> sewer pipe playing. And if, they, if they're not convinced, they won't be convinced. You can't try again for another yeah. 24 hours. Nope, you blew it. And they will just attack you. Yeah. A friendly swarm obeys your commands. So a friendly swarm comes up? That's if you if you convince them. They're like, yeah, this is, this is some rock oh, and okay. jams. I just thought maybe they were like, you summoned a swarm, but they're not friendly. Yeah. As opposed to a friendly swarm. Um, you issued no commands to a friendly swarm. It defends itself, but otherwise takes no action. If a friendly swarm starts its turn and can't hear the music. So say they dive underwater. Yeah. And then suddenly they can't hear the music anymore. Um, and you cannot control them again. Well, rats hate water, so you don't have to worry too much about that. I'm just saying. <laughs> if, if for some reason they're deafened, yeah, they can't hear the music, you can't try again. I guess that's true, yeah. 
With your nasty pipes of the sewers. Uh, someone cast silence around the swarm. Oh, there you go. And now they can't hear your music. And now they go they go wild with frenzy. Ultimately, <laughs> this is a very specific. It does item. seem really specific. I could. Is see... the whole thing done in one action? You use a bonus action to expend a charge that calls forth the swarm. Then you make a charisma check immediately. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not even one action. It's a bonus action. But you have to continue to play the pipes each round as an action. Right. So you also lose your turn. These better be really strong rats. I wonder what the stats are for the rat swarm. (laughs) That's a good thing to look up. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. While you're looking that up, I'm just going to think about when would you want this in your game? You're going to go on some sort of like heist through the sewers or some sort of like you have to go down into the sewers. There's going to be a lot of rats and you happen to find these pipes or maybe you like um, take them off of the just wall. Break, break off some sewer pipes break and drill some, drill some holes in it and you're good to go. Yeah, I'm imagining like some so guy. Any, any sewer pipes really. <laughs> I'm imagining some guide is like, oh yeah, don't forget your sewer, your pipes are the sewer. And then you're like, where? And he's like, hold on. And gets a hacksaw out. <laughs> takes off a couple of pipes off the wall. Yeah, that's how it works, I think. <laughs> the so so swarm of rats is a CR one quarter. <laughs> uh, they're not very strong. They have a weapon attack that is plus two to hit, and one target within the swarm space, so it has to engulf somebody. And then it does two d six piercing damage or one d six piercing damage if the swarm has half of its hit points or fewer. So basically, the best part about these pipes is that. As long as you're attuned to them, ordinary rats and giant rats are indifferent to you and will not attack you. But it doesn't include, like, magical rats or cranium rats or uh, or any other kind of rat. No, but if Extra I... dimensional rat. If I were to say give these to a player, I would say if you're attuned to them, then you, your whole party doesn't have to worry about giant rats. You know what? That's kind of nice. I think... Well, that, except that's not true. It's only it's only that's the what person. I'm oh, you said it would should give be. That. You'd extend give, you'd yeah. extend the field of indifference. Yes, because otherwise it's like, dude, these suck. You know, I think we're missing the point on this. I think that this isn't for combat. What this really is for is like setting off traps with a giant swarm of rats. There <laughs> you go. Or like that makes freaking sense. someone out. You know, you summon a giant. You summon a, a swarm of rats to run ahead for you. Yeah. and trigger all the traps. Brilliant. Oh yeah. Uh, or or you know, it's just it's a lot of rats that might freak somebody out. Or yeah. Or uh, you know, what what couldn't you accomplish with a big swarm of rats? <laughs> just I do mean, whatever you want. Clearly, to do. I, you know, ants um will make a like a float and float yeah. themselves. Can down. you make a Can float of rats? rats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're really, really hungry and don't care where oh, the God. meat comes from. Oh, God. <laughs> That's horrible. Rats make great pets. Maybe you just want to get some some good pets to to have for everyone. You are trying you, you get to, get the, get to get the cats out of the city so you summon all the rats and the cats will follow. There you go. And the dogs will chase after the cats. Oh. You know. so you're going to rid the city of all of their pets. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a goofy magic item. I would, frankly, not be very worried about my player abusing this magic item because, frankly, it would be so hard to abuse. And you'd be like, wow, good, you know what? Good on good you. Good on you. You figured out a you'd, good place for the rats. You, then there's so many places as the game master that you could just be like, there's no rats. There's not enough rats. There's not enough rats. Two rats come at your feet. Yeah. They look around. They don't see anybody's, and they leave. Right. Half a mile. Granted, if you're in a city, that's a lot of rats. Mm-hmm. Um, or or that you could give the opportunity to be like, you summon a massive swarm of rats, and I'm going to make the rat swarm way more powerful than it than it should be because it's such a gigantic swarm of rats. It's the size of it forms into a Voltron of rats and crushes your enemies. Rat- Rattron. <laughs> um, so I feel like you've got so much discretion on this as a game master that you could really hand this to a player and be like, I don't know. Figure something out. It's a goofy magic item. It's fun to do. Honestly, I think the biggest problem with it is that it requires attunement. Yeah. It because should just if, it, be if it's on your person. Yeah. They you have it, you. then you're good. Or or maybe you can still use it to summon the rats or whatever. You just don't gain the uh, the attunement 
piece. Yeah, there you go. You, yeah, it doesn't say it requires attunement to use, right? It just, just it does say it requires be, attunement. It you have to be proficient with wind instruments to use. Yeah, but it says wondrous item uncommon requires attunement. Well, it says while you're attuned to the pipes, ordinary rats and giant rats are different to you and will not attack you. It doesn't say. My usual assumption is if an item says that it requires attunement, it isn't. A, it's not a partial. Um, well, I'm making it a partial. You could it's make a it a partial. partial. You could homebrew it. You could home rule it to be. You only have to have attunement in order to get the rats are different to you part. The rest of it you can do without attunement. Just to just to make it more fun. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Frankly, I don't re- enforce attunement in my games anyway. It's too much to keep track of, really. Yep. And I don't give out enough magic items that I'm all that worried about somebody being way too powerful. Eh. I wouldn't put my lips on it. Ew. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> so gross. So gross. Um. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. We hey. really appreciate you. This is uh, episode 73. Is that true? Yeah. Well, we'd have more episodes if we released more often. Yeah. I mean, I was just impressed you didn't have to defend it. <laughs> so thanks for listening everybody we're listening to episode 73 you can send us your questions on our website at nextsessionpodcast.com and uh, you also can spam us with stuff because that's all we get most of the time yeah if you want to send I us I get a like lot a, of people who tell me that my website needs um, oh needs to be redone. needs to be at the top of google if you have a suggestion for how your company can help improve our website's traffic <laughs> boy, don't. boy, if I had the submission form for you. Please don't go on our website. Um, no, we thank you for your questions. Um, and you can also uh, chat at us on Twitter and Facebook at the next session. Uh, we are on there occasionally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also on Instagram at next session podcast. Um, so I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. Tune in next time and we'll help you prep for your next session. Goodbye. Goodbye.